My name is Chad Hoover. My name is Brandon Overstreet. My name is Russell Dillon. My name is Alfonso Jack. My name is Lisa Bennett. I'm Jack Snore. Cody Prather here. My name is Matt Ball. My name is Josh Carter. I'm James Bush. My name is Luke Stocking. My name is Jeff Jones. I'm Brian Bolby. My name is Jeff Hodge. My name is Kevin Franklin. My name is uh, Jamie Clancy. My name is Ronnie Ellery. My name is Randy Howell, and you're listening to the Faith and Fishing Podcast. Welcome back to the Faith and Fishing Podcast, bringing you the stories of how God is working in and through fishermen from all around the fishing community. I'm your host, Cam, and we have an awesome episode lined up for you, including a brand new segment that should be a lot of fun, where I'm going to share some tips that I have learned the hard way, and I'm calling it Learn From My Mistake. Uh, Before we jump into that, the product spotlight, and of course, the reason you're all here, the interview with Sean Lavery from the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment of the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network, just a couple of housekeeping things. The last episode, y'all got to meet my dad, and we got to fish together a couple weekends ago, and it was awesome. Uh, we uh, We stood in the rain fishing for a while and caught a bunch of fish, and I have to be honest, first fish, biggest fish in most species went to my dad, and I think he edged me out. Uh, on most fish too, all on a white grub and on a Zebco 33. Um, I uh, I caught most of my fish on the Christmas tree cake crankbait from 153 baits, which was awesome. Um, which I think worked so well because the bass were keying in on white perch. Um, and we also got to see all kinds of nature and wildlife uh, for little fawns that still had their spots. Um, and Osprey swooping down and catching a fish, all kinds of stuff. Um, speaking of fishing with family, I also got a chance to fish with my nephew for his first fishing outing. Um, now, he isn't quite four yet and was introduced to fishing through a nature show that he really enjoys and wanted to go fishing. Uh, since I'm the fisherman in the family, his parents asked if I would teach him. So I got him a rod and reel and we fished uh, night crawlers under a bobber and it was great getting back to the basics. Um, he is now excited about fishing, um, and I'm worried I set an unrealistic precedent seeing as how he caught a fish on his first cast, and his second, and his third, <laughs> and he ended up catching five fish in 15 minutes before he was ready to set the rod down and go play, um, and then he woke up wanting to go fishing the next morning. Um, it doesn't get better than seeing the look on a kid's face when they catch their first fish, um, also, before we jump into the segments, wanted to officially welcome Jade's Jigs on as a sponsor of the Faith and Fishing Podcast. Uh, we will have Joey Doza, owner of uh, owner of Jade's Jigs, on soon to really dive into the company and the products. Uh, but they make lead-free finesse jigs uh, that are awesome. And I won't dive too deep into the jigs themselves because, like I said, we'll be diving into them soon on a future episode. Uh, but to give you a quick introduction, they are some phenomenal little finesse heads that come in a variety of styles. And like I mentioned earlier, they are lead free, uh, which makes them safe for people and especially uh, for the environment, which I'm really excited about. Now, I'm a power fisherman at heart, uh, so I'm still learning how to use these things. But so far, I've been very impressed. Uh, my favorites have been the little skirted finesse jigs and the little EWG heads. Um, I'll go, uh, I'll go more in depth on how I fish them whenever I feel like I am a little bit more than a beginner. Uh, but for now go to jadesjigs.com. That's J A D E S J I G S.com 
to try them out. And for being a Faith and Fishing listener, Joey has been generous enough to give you a 10% off promo code, um, and that promo code is FNF10. Um, all right, so with uh, with all of that being said, we are going to jump right into our newest segment, Learn From My Mistake. So I figured the best way to do this would be to tell you the story of my mistake and then tell you what I could have done differently so that hopefully you can learn from my mistake without having to repeat it yourself. Now don't worry, you'll still make plenty of mistakes that you can learn from. Uh, there are plenty of those to go around. Um, but for this uh, this first one, I want to tell you about uh, a mistake I made whenever I was rigging my second kayak. Uh, that was the West Marine. Uh, that was the West Marine Pompano 120. Um, y'all have heard me talk about it before. Um, I got my very first fish finder. It was a Garmin Striker 4. Um, it was a decent little unit, but I didn't end up keeping it too long. Um, but there were really two main mistakes that I made with this unit. Um, or I guess, I guess you could call it the same mistake made two different ways. Um, but the first was that I kind of forgot that I had to take the fish finder and battery off the kayak so that I could car top it. Um, it wasn't so bad when I left the lake, but having to run cables throughout the body of my kayak, uh, whenever I was, uh, wanting to get on the water, pulling it off of the car and then running cables and stuff, because I had the transducer arm mounted behind me instead of in front of me. Um, which means that the, um, the cable had to run, uh, about seven, eight feet underneath the kayak or in the hull of the kayak, um, and I had to run it every time because that wasn't a permanent fixture um, on the kayak. Um, the second issue was that I cut the holes to run cables um, and mounted the the track so that I could run the transducer arm on the left-hand side of the kayak. Um, now, the issue with that is that the arm of the transducer was going to be sticking out over the uh, left-hand side of the kayak, which was the same side of the kayak that the factory installed anchor trolley was on. So here was my big mistake there. I rigged my kayak, complete with drilling holes and making permanent changes to the kayak without taking it on the water first and making sure I would be putting things where I wanted them and where they would not be in the way. So this is my advice uh, so that you can learn from my mistake. Whether your kayak is brand new or you just want to add a new modification to it, take the kayak out without the mod and make sure that if you put this piece here that it won't be in the way of paddling or your anchor trolley um, or in the way of anything like that Or and also make sure that you can reach it. Um, I'm not a flexible guy and I have put a light in the track on the very back of my kayak once when I got out on the water I couldn't reach it to turn, on, uh, turn it off once the sun came out so my battery died. Um, so before you add mods, especially if they are permanent mods where you're going to be drilling into the kayak and making permanent changes, do yourself a favor, take the kayak out on the water and make sure things are going in places where they can be more useful. All right, time to jump into the product spotlight. And this time we're going to be talking about my favorite line of bait casting reels.
So ever since I started casting with bait casters, I have tried reels from a bunch of different brands. Um, I used Abu Garcia for a while, and if anyone asks me my recommendation for a bait caster under $75, my answer will be the Abu Garcia Pro Max until another reel proves me wrong. Um, I've used the Cabela's Fish Eagle. I've uh, <laughs> I gave away a Shakespeare bait caster after trying one cast with it a while back. Um, I've used Quantum. I uh, tried Shimano. I don't hate lose. Um, the one reel I have from 13 is 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 okay. Um, granted, it's on their lower end of the spectrum. But there's one line of reels that I have slowly started trying to switch my reels to. Um, and that I have been super impressed with. And that is the Daiwa Tatula series. I have and or have used the Tatula 100, the Tatula 150, and the Tatula CT. Um, so we aren't even talking about the higher end of the Tatula series here. Um, but I have still been super impressed and I really, really, really love these reels. Um, the first thing I like about the Tatula is, is that whenever you hold one in your hand, it feels like this is a durable reel and it's going to last a lifetime. Um, it has an aluminum frame and body and when you are used to uh, the plastic and graphite, you will immediately feel the difference. Um, the next thing I like about the Tatula is, is the T-Wing system. Um, whenever you click the button on the reel, the line guide, uh, the line guide turns over, creating a much wider opening uh, so that you have less friction on the cast, and it makes for a much smoother cast. And where I really notice a difference is on the distance of the cast. Um, I, I can cast this thing um, a country mile, and, there's, and it's super smooth for flipping and pitching as well. Um, the rest of the reel is also great. Um, everything just feels right. Everything fits the way it should to me. Um, the handle grips, I don't know what they're made of, but they are big and the grip is, uh, the grip is tacky. Um, so even with my sweaty hands, I'm never worried about uh, slipping off the reel. The brakes have something like 20 settings and are made so that you can use the brakes to make more of the adjustments rather than the spool tension knob. Um, um, the only real wishes I have um, uh, for these reels are um, are more drag. I mean, 13 and a half pounds is more than enough. I just tend to go by the motto of overkill is underrated. Um, and another thing um, that would that would be great for me, just personal preference, is one of the micro click adjustments for the spool tension knob. Um, but seeing as how I never have to use the thing, I don't miss it much. Um, if all of that wasn't enough, the Tatula logo is just flat out cool. Um, I know everyone has their preferences, so don't go out and change all of your reels to one brand just because such and such podcast or such and such YouTube or whatever, such and such pro says that, um, says that that's the one you should be using. But if you haven't tried one, I encourage you to try one of the ta Daiwa Tatula bait casters. Um, um, even if you don't love it, it'll be worth it to use it for a little bit. Um, each one tends to have its own specialty. Uh, so look and see which one is going to work best for you um, and give it a try. All right, so it is time to get Sean introduced. Jade's Jigs, based out of southwest Missouri, make finesse jigs without the lead. Jade's Jigs are made with an eco-friendly tin bismuth alloy that weighs less than lead, meaning you can get the same water displacement and profile size with less weight on your finesse presentation for the fish to feel. Jade's Jigs offers a variety of styles including Ned Heads, Finesse EWG Heads, and Skirted Finesse Jigs, and they are ready to ship so you get the custom quality without the custom weight. 
If all of that wasn't enough, they flat out catch fish. Head on over to jadesjigs.com, that's J-A-D-E-S-J-I-G-S.com to see what they have to offer. And since you are a Faith and Fishing listener, you can use promo code FNF10 to save 10% on your order. If you listen to Bass Fishing Podcasts and you haven't heard of Bass Fishing for Noobs yet, what are you doing? Go give it a listen. You'll be glad you did. Um, It doesn't matter if you feel like you're a noob or not. Um, You can learn something from the Bass Fishing for Noobs podcast, um, which is over on the, you guessed it, the Paddle and Fin podcast network. Um, I learn something new every time I listen to it. And the new episode that aired uh, the week of this recording um, on fishing tubes was phenomenal. Um, Joining us on the Faith in Fishing podcast for this episode is one of the co-hosts of the Bass Fishing for Noobs podcast, Mr. Sean Lavery. Sean, man, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. It's awesome to be on. Um, I know a couple of my paddle and fin compadres have kind of beat me to the punch a little bit, but... uh... I'm uh, super happy to follow in their footsteps. <laughs> Absolutely. So so far, um, Dan uh, and Brad have have had episodes air, and um, Armando's is going to be airing pretty soon. So um, yeah, uh, you're definitely not the first, but uh, hopefully you won't be the last either. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and it was it was cool to hear them talk about it too, uh, just to hear sides of them that I don't get to hear very often. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, to get us started off, man, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us uh, who Sean Lavery is. All right. Well, um, my name's Sean Lavery. I live in York, Pennsylvania. Uh, luckily, uh, about 15 minutes from the Susquehanna River. So um, super great fishery right net near me. Um, I have a couple of lakes around too. But um, uh I am a uh, co-host of the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment on the Paddle and Fin podcast. Um, I've been fishing, I, I mean, I fished when I was younger, um, but not a lot, because um, pretty much everybody who took me um, didn't really know what they were doing so much, and so I never really got into it when I was younger because I just didn't have any luck at it. Um, probably the earliest I really kind of started getting into it, my father-in-law um got a bass boat um, while I was dating my wife probably in the late 90s and uh, he started taking me out on the river some but uh, I really my fishing really didn't take off until uh, I started um, kayak fishing and um, that's kind of a long story too I know I've told it on our show a few times but uh, I was 39 in 2016 and um, out of the blue I ended up having a heart attack um, totally unexpected. Um, I, I was really thought I was in super good health. I was training for half marathon at the time, was running races left and right, and really thought I was in the best, best shape of my life. And um, lo and behold, my uh, cholesterol wasn't very good, not through any real fault of my own, uh, just genetics. Uh, my body just didn't deal with it very well. So... Um, kind of out of the blue in June of 2016 I had this heart attack and it really knocked me for a loop because I couldn't do a lot of the things I had been doing I was playing volleyball twice a week plus running um, and so a lot of the kind of faster paced sports I was used to I couldn't do anymore 
uh, well, I couldn't do for a while anyway while I was recovering. So I started looking for kind of less aerobic activities. And I had been, at the time, I had been researching um, kayak fishing a lot, but my wife still wasn't convinced that I would really stick with it enough to spend the kind of money I wanted to spend on a kayak. But after that uh, whole episode happened, I kind of had a little bit of leeway to do what I wanted. She was just happy to still have me around at that point. So um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I got my first kayak, which was a Wilderness Systems Tarpon 100. And I started fishing out of it and totally had no clue what I was doing. Um, had watched a ton of YouTube stuff, read a lot online, but just had no practical on the water experience at all. So it was, it was kind of really a comedy of errors all over the place. <clears throat> but I, uh, you know, slowly and surely, uh, kind of kept trying and trying and getting more time on the water. And, um, about a year after that, I, um, wasn't really super comfortable in the Tarpon 100. It was a small boat, um, kind of narrow, kind of tipsy. So I upgraded to a Jackson Kusa HD. And from there, that was kind of like the gateway. Cause then in that boat, I felt super stable. And that really is when I really kind of took off getting into fishing. I was fishing, you know, as much as I possibly could. Um, and from there, it just uh, kind of exploded. And, um, then I, kind of got into Paddle and Finn. I just, I'd been listening to their podcast for a long time. Um, and I noticed Ryan, who was the, uh, my co-host on the Paddle, or on the Noob show, um, was like one of the only hosts that didn't have a co-host with him. And so I kind of just messaged him out of the blue. Um, I probably deleted that email to him probably three or four times. You know, thinking, <laughs> you know, what in the heck is he going to think of me just emailing him and saying, Hey, you want a co-host? But, I sent it and uh, he called me like that night and said, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot and I was, you know, gonna, you know, start looking for a co-host anyway, but, you know, hey, uh, I'll interview you. And I ended up talking to Brian, who uh, kind of originated Powell and Finn, and um, they both said it seemed like a good fit. So uh, that was February of last year and um, I just haven't looked back and it's just been a crazy ride since then, so... Absolutely. Yeah, this uh this interview's going to be it's already been a, a little bit of a wake-up call for me because I'm I'm 33 and um I am working on getting my cholesterol down. I've had really bad cholesterol, so um I uh probably need to be taking it more seriously than I am. Um yeah, it, it really is. <laughs> and I tell everybody, you know, even if you don't think it's bad, just get it checked. Cause you never know. And, um, like, like me, I, I thought I would have never guessed in a million years that my cholesterol was bad. And I, like I went to my family doctor afterwards and she ran this checklist that she had of risk of a heart attack. And I, I think with all, it, without knowing my cholesterol numbers, everything else gave me a, like a 2% chance of having a heart attack, but there I wow. was, you know, so, um, definitely, you know, get your numbers checked. Just, even if it's just a, it's a simple blood test to get your cholesterol checked. And, um, and then, you know, once you know what it is, you can start doing things to improve it. So, yeah, I, uh, I need to, um, to start taking that more seriously for sure. But yeah, man. So, uh, let's talk about bass fishing for noobs. Um, kind of introduce that podcast to us. Uh, tell us what it's all about. 
So um, the, the main reason why I wanted to get uh, beyond that show is, and the reason why I started listening to it was because I felt like it was perfect for me. Um, and it, it's for those new anglers out there who uh, maybe don't feel comfortable asking uh, somebody, uh, you know, hey, how are you doing that? Or, or, you know, why are you doing that that way? What, what lures are you using in uh, this situation? Or, you know, where do you find this fish this time of year? Or, you know, I hear you talking about ledges. What does that mean? Or, you know, I, I was super shy when I first got into this and I never uh, felt, I, I felt totally awkward uh, going up to somebody and, and asking them anything. I, I just figured like, they're going to be like, Oh, he's, he wants to steal my spot or he wants to, you know, learn all my secrets. And it, it totally wasn't any of that. I didn't want to steal anybody's spot. I just, I just wanted to learn to improve my, my fishing. And, um, so that's kind of where our show, uh, kind of, that's where my co-host when Ryan, when he started the, the noob show, that's kind of where he was coming from too to help him learn, but also to ask the questions that, you know, he always wanted to ask, but never felt like he could or, you know, and I, I kind of had the same mindset and that, you know, I always try and ask our guests the questions that I feel like when I was just getting started, I wanted to know, but, you know, felt silly asking. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, one of the things I really love about the Bass Fishing for News podcast is that y'all asked the you know, the quote unquote stupid question, the question that, uh, like, uh, people will use terms that are common knowledge to a lot of fishermen and on other podcasts, um, that we listen to, um, that, that term just kind of, they, they go with it. Y'all ask what that term means. Um, and, uh, kind of dive into, to the questions that are, uh, that no one else will, that nobody else asks. Um, and I love that. Like, um, like what's the difference between, you know, a ledge and a drop off or different things like that. Um, so, uh, definitely, definitely enjoying that about y'all's podcast. Um, but, um, how difficult was it, uh, coming on as a, as a co-host, as a co-host onto an established podcast? Oh, I was, like I said, I was super intimidated. I, (laughs) I, I t- when I say I deleted that email three or four times, it's totally the truth. I, I was like, what are you thinking? You know, that, you know, you're just, you don't know nothing about nothing and you're going to go on here and, and, um, you know, fake it till you make it or whatever they say, you know, right. but it, I was, um, super intimidated and especially I'm so glad it wasn't live because holy cow, I, the first couple of times I was so nervous, um, but Ryan really kind of took me under his wing and made me feel at home. And, um, you know, before long, it was kind of old hat, you know, luckily the first couple interviews that I did, some of the first ones I did were people that I already knew from my local area. Um, so that made it easier. Um, uh, I didn't get, uh, I didn't initially talk to huge names right off the bat, but it didn't take long before I started talking to like, uh, I think the first big name, I talked to was uh, Mike McKinstry, the best watch hunter, and I was like totally starstruck the whole interview. Like, <laughs> I can't believe I'm actually talking to this guy. And uh, just some of the names that I've gotten to talk to in the past year, I, like if you would have asked me a year before, you know, do you know, you know, last, next Tuesday you're going to talk to Jody Queen <laughs> or, or, you know, some of the big names in kayak fishing, uh, I would have told you, you're crazy. But, um, 
you know, now I've talked to him. I've talked to Drew. I just talked to Drew Gregory for the first time. That was awesome. Um, there's so many big names, uh, Russ Snyder's I've talked to, um, and internet people too. Uh, I talked to, uh, the uh, online outdoorsman. Um, just some, some of my favorite YouTubers. It is so cool to just sit down with them. Uh, Mike Rudd. Um, so just, just big names. So, but you're right. Definitely initially. I don't know. Did you feel intimidated the first couple of times? I'm sure you, I mean, you almost had to. And you're going oh, solo. So I can't oh, even absolutely. imagine. Um, so the very first interview I ever recorded was with, uh, Josh Smith, or not Josh Smith, uh, uh, Josh Carter from One Objective. Um, okay. And uh, it was a f- super short interview. And then I ended up uh, calling him back and saying, hey, I came up with some other questions. Would you mind uh, coming on and uh, coming, like me recording another, uh, another interview just to kind of uh, hack the two apart and put them back together <laughs> to make one episode? Um and like going back and listening to it, it was, you can definitely tell, you know, I'm, I'm super nervous and I'm reading from a script. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, but, um, I, I was lucky to have, uh, some of the early, uh, early interviews I did were with, uh, guys like Josh Carter and, uh, Chad Hoover that you ask them a question and they can talk for, talk, <laughs> talk for 20 minutes without, without me having to say anything. So, and it's funny because, like, um, whenever it comes to small talk, I am probably the world's worst at small talk um, and, like, keeping a conversation going. That's not my strong suit. Um, so the the whole um, podcast thing, it was like, I, this doesn't seem like the right fit for me, but it, I feel like uh, I feel like I'm starting to to break out of my shell a little bit and starting to uh, to to find my fit here. So <laughs> I know the feeling I, and, and normally I would hundred percent agree with you, um, about the only thing I feel like I can talk about, uh, at length without any kind of prompting or anything like that is fishing. Um, there's a few <laughs> yeah. other things in my life I feel like I could, but if, if I had to make small talk on many other topics, I would be kind of clammed up most of the time, I believe. But, I feel like I, for some, for whatever reason, um, my, the passion I have for fishing is, makes it easy to talk about. So, absolutely. Um, well, let's uh, let's let's break into the meat of stuff. Um, so, in a nutshell, kind of tell us what it is that you believe in, and and the story of how you came to came to believe in it, and kind of give us your okay. faith story, man. Cool, man. Yeah. Um, so that's that's another interesting story. Um, when I was young, uh, I was baptized Catholic. I went to um, my my parents separated when I was five, and my dad was uh, in the Catholic Church, and my mom uh, was in a Protestant church. And, um, so, for the most part, um, I went to Catholic Church with my dad, and so I was baptized Catholic. Went through uh, catechism classes, first confession, all that fun stuff, um, but uh, never really felt at home in that church. Um, when my father moved to Arizona, um, I was probably 10 at the time and he started going to, um, a Catholic mission out there and it totally was a different environment than the cathedral type of Catholic church that I went to here in Pennsylvania. It was like uh, much more kind of at home 
uh, more, I don't even know what the right word is, uh, not as rigid or regimented, you know. Um, and so that kind of got me a little bit more into my faith, but it, I didn't really dive deep into it until I started dating my my wife. Um, she, I was big into volleyball at the time, and um, uh, she did, actually dated a friend of mine a few times, and he said, I think you'd get along really good with my friend Sean, and so she ended up, uh, she knew that I liked volleyball, and she was a volleyball player too, and her church um, uh, was having open gym volleyball, so she invited me to uh, to start coming to that, and um, one thing led to another, and I started attending her church, um, which was a Methodist church, and uh, that's when um, I kind of got started uh, because a lot of the youth group kids were at volleyball, I kind of got to be kind of get along really well with them. And, um, we decided, we started a junior youth group with my wife there while we were dating. Um, and that was kind of what really got me hooked on, uh, helping out with the faith. I went on a, uh, I'm trying to think of what that trip was. We took the kids to a, a retreat, um, Oh, I'm just drawing a blank on what it was. But uh, that week, it was actually like a weekend, I guess. Um, we were supposed to go with our pa- our pastor from our church, but he didn't tell us that he was actually leading the whole retreat. So we kind of had our group all to ourselves and were responsible for them. We didn't anticipate that, but um, I kind of got put on the spot and was asked, you know, well, you know, what do you feel? And, and tell these kids how you feel. And it really made me think and kind of dive deep in, into what I really felt and thought and and I came back from that um, it was confirmation camp that's what it was for the kids they were like uh, junior high and um, I came back from that retreat just on fire and um, I started helping with youth group regularly started teaching the Sunday school class um, my wife and I got married then and I just started doing more and more things in the church um, uh, helping wherever I could and um, learning all I could. Um, and then the biggest thing really I think that affected my faith was after I'd been working with the youth group for quite a while, we got a really good uh, youth group leader named Joan. And um, after I'd been helping out with the youth group for a long time, um, she uh, approached me and said, hey, you know, I do a week of camp counseling every summer. And just seeing how you are with the youth, I think you would really, really enjoy it. And I thought about that, and I'm like, I don't know enough to be a camp counselor. You know, that's, I just, I felt like I, I again, didn't have the expertise to, to lead someone else. So I was like, I'm still learning my faith and where I am in my faith journey and to have the responsibility of you know, trying to help someone else on theirs. I, I just didn't feel like I was up to it. So probably two or three years in a row, she kept asking me, hey, camp leave's coming up. You want to be a counselor? And I was like, nah, you know, I, I just don't know. And so probably I think the fourth year she asked me, she said, um, this is my last year at camp. I, I She was le- leading the camp that I uh, she had been going to. And um, she said, this is my last year at camp. You have to come and be a counselor my last year so begrudgingly I said yes you know and um, I was I was super excited about it but nervous 
And then the week of week before camp, I, we, we have meetings all summer long about, um, you know, everything that planning and all the, uh, you know, games and stuff we're going to play and all the, the Bible studies that we're going to do. And, um, I was, you know, listening to all that and being part of that was awesome. And I was super excited. And then the week came that I was supposed to go and, oh man, I just had every doubt in the book hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, I, I can't do this. There's no way I should be going there. I, I should have said no. And, um, I came up with like a million reasons not to go, but for whatever reason, I just put it all behind me and I said, you know, I'm just going to go try it. And that week was the most amazing faith week of my entire life. It, it just, the, the place that I can't, or counsel at, I've, I've gone back now. I've been a camp counselor there for eight years. Um, I missed the year I had my heart attack, uh, unfortunately, but, uh, other than that, I've been there pretty much every year. Um, and it's just something I look forward to all year long. It's totally my, my rekindle the fire kind of, uh, time. And, um, there's no way you can spend a week in the presence of, faith that richly and not come back like on fire and when I've run through a wall, you know, it just, it just, it's what I look forward to the most. And, um, it's coming up again. It's usually the first or second week in July. So we're back in the planning phases of it again. And I'm just uh, looking forward to it. Even last year we ended up, um, doing it. Uh, we went up there and recorded, uh, lessons and stuff, um, and sent it to the kids, um, that couldn't make it, um, because of, you know, COVID and all that fun stuff. So even last year, we still had a mini version of camp that, uh, it was so, so nice to, to be up there and get away from all the craziness. And it's just such a beautiful place. There's a, a huge lake there filled with huge bass and, <laughs> um, it's it's private so it's unpressured they're the biggest dumbest bass i've ever found anywhere so <laughs> uh, you can pretty much throw anything in there and they'll bite so um it's so neat fun to go there just for that i mean i, I can try all sorts of uh, different lures and techniques that i have no no luck with anywhere else that's where i caught my first frog fish where i caught my first uh jig fish where i've caught my first um ned rig fish you know it's it's just a fun place to go but on top of everything else just getting to to share my faith with kids and and listen to them and guide them and some of those kids we have kids that come from inner city philly who just need love and to know that someone cares about them they they live lives so much harder than i could have ever imagined when i was their age and just to um to be with them and uh kind of show them that there's people out there who cares and and on a god who cares about them is is kind of what lights my fire and gets me going and again that's i said i could talk forever about fishing uh, my camp experience is also one of the few things i feel like i could talk forever about so absolutely and you're speaking my language now with youth ministry so um what ages do you typically work with um our camp is uh they have to have finished sixth grade and it's up through graduating seniors. When they, when the seniors graduate, they can either come on as counselors if they want to, or then that's kind of the end of our camp. So it's, it's called youth camp and it's kind of junior high through high school. So, okay. um, I'm super excited. My, my oldest daughter 
has been going to the camp now as a as a camper. This I think will be her fourth year, and my youngest daughter is going into fifth grade, so she's going to uh, the grade school kind of equivalent of our camp this year too for the first time. So uh, um, she won't be in my camp, but she'll be up at camp the same time I'm there. So I'm I'm super excited to see if she loves it as much as I do. And now I kind of got my oldest daughter hooked. I think so. That's awesome. So what's your favorite, uh, what's your favorite age range to work with? Um, because I'm one of the old campers, <laughs> um, the, the rule or counselors, uh, one of the, the rule is you have to be, I think, uh, five years older than the youngest camper that you can counsel. So because of that, I tend to get the older, older kids. And I really enjoy that because you can, they're at a different stage in their life. They're, you know, you know, the senior high kids, they're, 12th graders they're looking on to their future and and they're at a really cool age where you can have those deeper discussions um kind of things that might be way over the head of the seventh graders you know the and plus they're also you know kind of uncertain about what the future holds for them and when you can you know reassure them and tell them that you know they won't go it alone and that um they can have faith that you know God will carry them through. It, it's just, it's really rewarding to me to, to see them go on and then to keep in touch with them and, and see how they succeed as they kind of move out of our camp and into their adult life. It's kind of, that's another very rewarding thing for me. So, Absolutely. Um, I, I, I always get the crazy looks because I tell people that uh, um, the sixth, seventh, eighth graders are, are my favorite group to work with. Um, they're, uh, they're awkward and energetic and, um, their attention span is non-existent and, uh, um, I like working with them too. That's where I, like I said, where I got started with yeah, the junior high sure. group and, um, I just, because of my age being the oldest counselor, I tend not to get to spend as much time with them, but I definitely enjoy that age range as well. So. Absolutely. So where is it that faith and fission like collide and connect with you? Um, it, it's my escape. Um, it's, it's my, my time to reflect and, you know, just be thankful for, I mean, that, like I said, what got me into it in the first place was just looking for something I could do, um, while I recovered from my heart attack and, and being out on the water at that point, Early on, it was more thankful that I could do something than anything else. Thankful that I was still here, that I feel like, and I still feel this way, that, you know, God has a plan for me, and and that was not my time, and there's a reason why I'm still here, if, and I'm going to just tell anyone and everyone I can that that's the way I feel and share how I feel and, you know, until I, you know, find out my full purpose. They always say, you know, the the two biggest days in your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. And I'm still working on the why, but um, I'm super excited to, that I have the opportunity to do that. So, um, but being out on the water is where I feel that the most. When I, I feel so connected with, with nature, um, all my anxiety and, and worries and troubles of whatever um, the rest of my life are going through kind of melt away and for whatever reason I can forget all that for the little bit of time I'm I'm able to get out and um, 
you know, the tug on my line might as well be a, a direct connection to something, some higher power because uh, it, it's such a, I love that feeling of, of just being out there, uh, you know, in nature and, and seeing all the amazing things that this world has to offer. Uh, that's, that's where it comes together for me. Awesome. Well, it's getting to share share that experience with anybody who will listen. So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I did want to uh, talk a little bit about uh, the heart attack and how that kind of like affected your mindset and affected your faith. Um, was that something that uh, that it was kind of a a rough patch in terms of faith, or was that something that it was like it just kind of bolstered? bolstered faith and and strengthened it like what did that look like luckily at the time that came about i had already kind of grown in my faith enough that i was able to really rely on um what i wasn't really prepared for and i don't know particularly why it started then was um i was never an anxious person before that um i kind of i had worries but it never got to me. I never understood when people would say, oh, I had an anxiety attack or, or, um, you know, I, I couldn't sleep at night because of that. I mean, I've had, you know, rough days leading up to that. But after that, um, I was just constantly worried that every little twinge I felt or every little, uh, kind of anytime my heart would flutter or anything, um, I, I felt like I'd just get super anxious and, and it's still that way. Like last year, through all the COVID stuff, I, I had my anxiety was kind of peaked again, and it's something that I didn't anticipate having to deal with, and until I, until the heart attack kind of sprung it on me, and it's only kind of gotten worse from there. So it's been an interesting ride with that. Um, that's definitely been something I've been learning to deal with, uh, and last year having to kind of not be able to experience my faith the way I, I was used to being able to go to church with any regularity, um, uh, be with my support group that is my church and my church family, my camp family. You know, we did luckily get together a little bit last year and that helped immensely, but um, it kind of did make me feel a little bit alone and I really had to, to lean more on my faith at that point and, and, and really kind of learn how not to rely so much on other people, but directly on my communication and through prayer and other things like that. Uh, because I didn't have my support structure as readily available as it had been. So, um, but the, the, like I said, the biggest thing was the anxiety. And, and I think I, uh, when, after the heart attack, I, you know, just started reading up on it and probably shouldn't have, because I read all sorts of things about, how you can have PTSD from heart attacks and stuff like that. And it just seemed to spike my anxiety level like crazy. And right. um, it's just been an interesting journey with that since then. But um, really, I, I don't know where I'd be if I didn't have my faith to fall back on. And um, luckily at that point, it hadn't grown to the point where it had. And that I felt, you know, that there was always even if I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody else, there was always, I could always go to the Lord in prayer and, and just, you know, say, Hey, I am feeling totally inadequate. I'm feeling totally unprepared for where my life is at the moment. Uh, you know, I don't know why this happened. 
And, you know, as I wrestle with those questions, that's when I got that reassurance that, hey, you know, you, you did have a rough patch there, but you survived and um, there's more for you. And, and once I got to that point, I was able to um, really talk about to anybody who would listen, you know, hey, you know, go get your cholesterol checked, you know, be healthy, you know, live for the now. Don't take any day for granted. You know, I really had never expected. It was so weird to be. I, I still remember laying in my hospital bed um, thinking, you know, two days ago, I would never have guessed I, I'd be here today. I have no re Like, why am I here? Like, what did I do? You know, and then and to go from that point to where I am today, uh, definitely an interesting journey. And, um you know, obviously I've had super supportive people in my life, uh, my wife and my, my kids, my, my family has been amazing. Um, I had a, a pastor that who was my pastor at the time of that. Uh, he was kind of helping our church through a rough patch and he is re- was really, and has been a mentor to me. Um, uh, during that time, I also went, uh, took some classes and I'm now a, a certified Christ servant minister in the United Methodist Church. So I, I've done sermons and, and those kind of things too. Um, all sorts of things. I, I've done prison ministry, which I never would have thought uh, I would have done. Um, so definitely twists and turns that my life have, has taken as a result of my faith, um, taken me to places I never ever would have thought I'd be. Um, so that's awesome. Um, yeah, that. Uh, it's amazing how, how stuff like that, like, kind of takes, uh, takes who you are and, uh, kind of solidifies who you are, helps you find exactly who it is that, that you're meant to be and, and kind of in a lot of ways can, can end up being the thing that propels you to it. Um, amen. Yeah. It's, it's just been, it's been something that, you know, looking back on it, I almost wonder, you know, I, I feel like my life would be so boring. I would have just been, you know, going about my days, you know, working and and coming home and working and coming home. But now I feel like I have so many different purposes that um, it, it really has brought meaning to my life. So Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> So, like you said, we could go on about um, about ministry and youth ministry and and how God has changed our lives uh, all day. But another thing uh, we're here to talk about is fishing, and we can talk yep. about that too. Um, <laughs> but uh, so this, uh, I always make sure that I get to ask this question to all of my guests. Um, so uh, it's it's my favorite question that I get to ask. Uh, what fishing story or memory means the most to you? That's an interesting question. Um, I want to say, hmm, I, it's not really fishing. I, I, I went crabbing with my stepdad, um, and I did that a lot, as much as I could. And that's, that's time on a boat spent with my stepdad. Um, he passed away three years ago, um, and... There's still not a day goes by when I'm out on the water that I don't think about think about him and 
you know, the time we spent together. Um, he was a big fisherman when he was younger, and he, growing up, um, he worked a ton. He was uh, a, he worked at a, a plant manufacturing parts and stuff. He was part of a union, and, you know, all, all the sacrifices he gave up for me, uh, you know, he crossed the picket line when they went on strike so I could stay in college and, and, you know, help me through that. And, um, so that, that's kind of part of it. I think, uh, the time that I, I spent with him on the water, even though it wasn't fishing, it was more crabbing, but right. um, that, that was, a I think a, when I look back at the most meaningful time I've had on the water, it would be that time I spent with him. That's awesome. Um, and that's, you know, I, and think about it right now. I, I don't realize how much I miss it until I, I go back. But even when I'm out on the wire, when I'm sitting there getting skunked, and um, that's usually where I go to. I, I start, you know, talking to him, being like, all right, you know, what am I doing wrong here? You know, give me some pointers, <laughs> help me out. And it, oddly enough, those are the times I start getting bites. I'm like, it's, that's it's awesome. so weird. <laughs> of course, uh, that I, I go to that well often and then, you know, then it doesn't always happen. <laughs> right. But, but, uh, but I've had other, um, other times, um, helping out with, uh, heroes on the water has been amazing. Um, I, we just talked about that on, on the panel fin podcast, but, uh, that was, uh, I started, I kind of started out, uh, heroes on the water at looking for just kind of another way to, kind of make friends with fishermen you know i figured the more fishing friends i have the more knowledge i'll get and but i, I kind of stumbled into helping with that and seeing that the way that helps people um dealing with the stressful parts of their lives uh you know soldiers coming back from combat and stuff like that who are dealing with different anxiety than mine but uh still looking for a saint the same kind of outlet uh to, either get away from it or to, to deal with it. Uh, right. That was, that's been very rewarding to me. Uh, and some of the friendships that I've made through that, um, and getting to, you know, just go on a fishing trip with those guys. And I, I don't even know if they know how much it means to me to just to get to spend time with them and for them to be as accepting as they are. The, the kayak fishing, uh, kind of community in and of itself is just amazing to me. The, the camaraderie and the, you know, the willingness to take in new people and, and just help them. You know, I wish looking back now, I wish I wouldn't have been so shy because it really is such an amazing community. Um, there people are so, and you know, in general, you're always gonna, you're gonna have those few people that, you know, are not quite that way. But, um, by and large, everyone I've met for the most part has been super accepting and amazing and, you know, very willing to be a friend and help me learn and everything. So, yeah, for sure. I definitely have to echo that sentiment. Um, I don't know that I've ever come across a, a kayaker who wasn't, uh, or a kayak fisherman who wasn't like, um, willing to, um, not just, not just talk to you, but tell you, Oh yeah, I caught them on this in that spot. Um, doing this and here have one of the baits um uh it's a it's an awesome community that i i come from the bank fishing world where um it's you know you're 
you're doing your best to try and get away from everybody else. Um, right. <laughs> and out in the in the kayak, you're paddling up to people to see what they're doing and to to tell tell them what you're catching them on and 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 stuff. And you stand sit there and fish side by side with each other. You got the whole lake and you're you're fishing side by side with them. And and that's like you're you're okay with that. It's still something I'm getting used to. <laughs> Right, same here. And I, I, I mean, I don't know how many times uh, I've got me got me in trouble because I'll tell my wife I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'll be home at such and such a time, and then I get off the water uh, and there at the ramp loading things up, and somebody will come over and be like, hey, I, that's a pretty nice kayak. Do you mind if I check it out? And you know, next thing I know, forty five minutes later, I've talked to that person. Um, you know, anything I can do to help grow the sport, but it's just a uh, kind of. Like I said, it just keeps getting me into trouble because I more often than not run into people and end up talking to them uh, and then getting home way later than I, I said I was going to or anticipated. So, yeah, my, but still, I, I don't know that I'd trade it. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah, my wife would uh, would definitely tell you that, that I had the same issue. Uh, <laughs> um, so I did want to ask about um, with, uh, with Heroes on the Water, uh, what kind of role do you have uh, whenever you're whenever you're out there um, with the heroes on the water? Um, usually, uh, the the couple times that I've done it, um, I, what I, I the I've helped people. Uh, they, they really need people to do everything. I, I've gone out with people or people. Generally, they they ask for guides, so someone who can paddle along with one of the, the people just to help them if they if they're new to paddling you can tell them like hey you know keep your head between the rails you know if you want to paddle to or if you want to turn left you paddle on the right side you know teach them different strokes and stuff just basically help them get around but then if they want to fish then you can also you know kind of you know help them a little bit with that you know if they don't know where to cast kind of direct them if they don't know how to cast that part help them untangle knots and you know, those kind of things. Um, but even just uh, talking to the people there, uh, a couple of the events that I did, I just kind of was like the loader. So I stand there at the edge of the water, and as they come in or, or go out, I, you know, get them seated, get see them on their way. And I, really that's kind of, I, I said this in um, our podcast, that that's been some of the most fun because um, when they come, you can see them when they leave, and they might be, you know, you know, apprehensive about it. They've never done it before, not quite sure how it's going to go. But then when they come back off the water, you know, and they have the huge smile on their face, and they're laughing and, you know, having a good time, it's it's cool to be able to see that release and know that they're experiencing the same thing that I've experienced, and, you know, now they're going to go and, and tell somebody else about it and, you know, just see see that enthusiasm grow as it's cool. It's, it's, those are the kind of feelings I live for. I, I love seeing it at camp when I'm up there and you see kids get super excited and passionate about, you know, the things that they're learning and seeing. And it's the same thing with the heroes on the water. You see people um, kind of having the same joy I have from something that I, I greatly enjoy. And, and that's super meaningful to me. Absolutely. That is, that is awesome. That's, we don't have a local Heroes on the Water uh, chapter here um, in Raleigh, so the closest one is is about two hours away in Fayetteville, um, which, I mean, it, it makes sense for there to be one in Fayetteville. There's a, um, there's a base close by. I want to say it's the yeah. Marine base is close by. 
um, okay. Camp Lejeune. But yep, um, I actually spent some time there when I was younger. Uh, my dad was a, a military contractor, so he was uh, stationed temporarily at uh, Camp Lejeune, and we I spent a summer on Topsail Island. Okay. And, uh, so it was weird. And now my dad's family goes back to Topsail once or every year. So occasionally I get to make that trip again. So that's awesome. Um, yeah. So, um, uh, we are going to, uh, kind of move into a segment here. Uh, I do it with, with all of the guests just to have a little bit of fun towards the end of the episode. Uh, but it's called what's your favorite It's pretty self-explanatory. I'll just ask you your favorite in a few different categories. All right. Um, so, uh, to get us started off, what's your favorite scripture? Uh, my favorite scripture is Joshua one nine, which says, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord, your God will be with you wherever you go. That's awesome. Um, and uh, what about a particular story from the Bible? Um, I really kind of, uh, it's weird, um, helping with youth a lot, you really hear a lot about Timothy. And because yeah. Timothy was young, young, and yet he did amazing things. And so when I was younger, I really liked the Timothy verse that says, you know, don't let people look down on you because of your age. Instead, be an example with your faith, your, you know, all those things. Um, so when I was younger, that was my favorite Bible verse. But now that I'm a little bit older and, you know, I've dealt with the anxiety and stuff, that's why I kind of got away from Timothy. But it's still somebody I look up to because he he is an example of of his faith. And I feel like if, if you can live that out, if you can reflect your faith out to the world, then you're doing exactly what, you know, God asks of you to do. And that's, you know, show the world his love. So that's why Timothy is kind of my Bible hero. So. Awesome. Um, so what's your favorite fish to catch? I'm going to say smallies because, uh, you know, I've, I've caught some big largemouth and I love catching big fish, but they come in, you know, like logs sometimes compared to you could have a you know 15 inch smallmouth that fights harder than a 20 inch largemouth to me and uh you know it's just a whole different experience they grow up in the current you know and they're they're so much stronger than just a lake bass uh, like a largemouth lake bass where they're like i said they half the time they're like oh crap you call me all right i'm just trying to let you drag them in but uh but, uh, yeah, um, I've caught striper before. I've gone on a few striper trips, so those are fun, too, um, just for sheer size. I think the, the biggest fish I ever caught was a 42-inch striper um, on a Man. charter that we went out quite a bit. Um, but but as for ease of access stuff I have right here, definitely the Susquehanna smallmouth are probably top of my list. That's awesome. Um yeah, I uh one of these days I'm going to catch a smallmouth. Um I uh I feel so left out every time I ask this ask that question and uh, I would say probably 80% of the people I've I've interviewed say, "Oh, smallmouth." Uh so <laughs> one day <laughs> one day. I have some I have some bucket list fish too. I you know, uh due to uh on the saltwater segment talks about redfish all the time and I've heard those are fun. Uh, my father-in-law told me about stories about catching tarpon, and uh, that one's on my know, bucket those, list too. 
big game fish. So I, you know, something that can really, I mean, I've had catfish and stuff that did turn my kayak and pull me around a little bit, but something that can really take you on a sleigh ride, you know, that sounds like a lot of fun to me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's one of the things I love about uh, fishing from a kayak is um, if I catch something big, I can be the drag. Um, <laughs> yeah, right, right. All right, so um, if that's your favorite fish to catch, what's your favorite fish to fish for? Hmm. That's really whatever I can catch. That, that I, And then I've heard, like, uh, Mike Iaconelli talk about that. Mike McKinstry talks about it a little bit. Uh, I get just that, that tug on my line. The, the, I get excited about a creek chub or a bluegill, you know, fishing off the little bridge right by my house. When I take my dog for a walk, sometimes I just bring, like, my little tiny trout rod and just drop a, a tiny little jig off the side of the, the uh, bridge while we're walking by. And, and I get super excited about just those tiny little fish. Like, any chance I get to go fishing, it's kind of, probably bordering on a sickness at this point but, <laughs> um i the, my favorite fish to catch is whatever is biting you know what i mean um, that's uh I, anytime i uh anytime someone asked my dad what he was fishing for that was his answer whatever's biting <laughs> yep yep all right so uh what's your favorite fish to eat um, see, and that's one thing before I had my heart attack, I didn't eat hardly any fish. My, my stepdad used to always like to tell the story of, uh, the first time he brought home trout to eat. And, and I was like, well, this doesn't taste like a fish stick. And he's telling me, well, fish stick isn't really fish. This is real fish, you know? <laughs> um, so, um, I really actually haven't had a ton of different fish. I've never eaten bass. I pretty much catch and release everything I do. Um, um, I have eaten flounder that I've caught in. I've eaten a uh, striper that I've caught and I've eaten trout that I've caught. So out of all three of those, flounder is my favorite. Um, uh, with striper being a close second, just cause it's, I had like a striper steak basically. Right. And that was pretty, pretty amazing. But, um, but flounder, especially flounder that I caught, a fish always tastes better. And I said the same thing about crabs. It's, uh, crabs always taste better when you've caught them when you spent the day out in the water you know trying to catch them and i don't know if it's just because you're exhausted well, but i feel like the fish you catch or the crab you catch always tastes better than anything you could buy anywhere well as as much work as it is to to fillet a fish um and clean a fish they better taste good whenever you're done um, right <laughs> i'm I, I know some people who are really good at it i am not and i don't enjoy doing it um, and my wife doesn't like fish, which is why I seldom keep fish. But I will say that I have caught and kept uh, kept bass, and uh, they can be really, really good or really, really not good, depending on a how you cook them and b where they came from. So okay, interesting. Um, well, I, I've heard like you know some of the kind of nasty stuff in the Susquehanna makes the. Yeah, they say you oh you can eat one Susquehanna fish a month or whatever they say but right uh, um so that that's one reason that's kind of discouraged me I have actually had catfish too I, I I forgot about that um my uh my I guess it's my niece's husband he uh can cat, catch catfish any time of the day right off the water where he lives and so a couple of times we've uh, been out with them and they he's made up catfish for me and that you know isn't bad either so 
Okay, absolutely. So, uh, what's your favorite snack to have while you're out fishing? Uh, I like beef jerky or, uh, like I have venison sticks that I have, uh, that I've had made up from deer that I've uh, got or a uh, friend of God. And, um, so that's usually what I take with me because A, it doesn't need to be refrigerated too much and B, it's kind of fills me up a little more than crackers or chips or anything like that. Okay. Absolutely. Um, any particular flavor or brand? Well, but like I said, most of the time it's, it's venison that I either, uh, you know, from deer I've got or my family has got. So, uh, um, most of it's home or not homemade, but like a local butcher shop. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, I won't ask for GPS coordinates, secret spots or anything like that, but what's your favorite body of water to fish? Um, I'd say the Susquehanna just, um, a, because it's so close. Um, literally I can roll out my garage and be there in 15 minutes. Um, there are better places than the, the stretch I get to fish, but you know, there's still, it's still a good spot. And, uh, I like it because it's easy and also, um, you never know what you're going to catch either. You know, the smallmouth are amazing, but being able to pull up a walleye or even little stuff, uh, you know, sunfish and bluegills, um, up to pike and, you know, I've never caught a pike. I could be there. Um, but, uh, those kind of things, uh, that's what kind of keeps me going back to the river. Just, I feel like the lakes around me are good, but there's not a ton of variety on what you catch there. Um, but out in the river, you know, there's there's a lot of variety, and you know, you never know what you're going to catch. So. Absolutely. So, um, are is the Susque- Susquehanna um, slow enough that you're able to pedal or paddle upstream and then uh, fish downstream, or do you uh, do you typically uh, f- float downstream and and have someone pick you up or go as a as a team or how does that I work? Don't- I've done a couple floats um, as I've done a few tournaments with um, the kayak anglers of Central PA and you know some of the heroes on the water guys. Um, they they are they are they do do floats, but most of the time it's just me. I'm usually by myself, and, and in that case, I'm going out and kind of going coming in and out of the same launch. So I tend not to go if I don't think I can uh, you know make it back, but. Uh, and it really depends on the time of year and the weather. Uh, right. It can get get to the point where it can easily get to the point where I can't paddle against the current or pedal. Now that I have a, a pedal kayak, I can do a lot better. Um, I feel like I can anyway. So that's made me a little braver when the, the water's <laughs> a little higher. But I still I still don't risk it too much because uh, I've just heard too many stories and. Um, you know, had a few close calls where uh, one time in particular I went out and um, the forecast was windy in the morning, uh, but was supposed to, to die down. And so I I went out in the morning and it was windy. And But I was like, you know what, I'll just paddle upstream first as far as I can make it and then just float downstream. That way I know that uh, I'll be fine um, and I, I won't be fighting anything. But So I paddled upstream. I ended up, uh, I had a drag sheet that I never played with before, so I'm like, I'll just use this, so I'll at least hopefully slow me down going down. And so I put out the drag chute, um, started casting, and uh, eventually caught a a smallie, 
but as I was reeling him in, he got wrapped all around my drag chute. And so I, I pulled the whole knotted mess up onto my lap and started, you know, I got the fish off and then was working on untangling everything, not paying attention at all to where I was. And by the time I got everything, I should have just cut the line and pulled it out uh, like that, but I was trying to untangle it. And by the time I looked up, I had floated way downstream past where um, the launch was. And instead of getting calmer, the wind actually picked up and it got to be where I couldn't make headway back upstream. And I knew my truck was upstream. So I started, I was like, well, uh, I, I called my wife. I was like, I'm not, I'm not sure how you're going to get me, but um, I can't make it back to the truck. Um, so I told her to start brainstorming some ideas. And in the meantime, I, a boat went by me. I tried to flag him down to see if he could tow me. And but he didn't see me. And um, I finally made it over to shore and uh, ended up getting to a shallow part where I could walk at least a little with my kayak uh, enough to you know rest my arms uh, enough to kind of make headway. And then I finally made it back to the truck and my arms were like so dead I couldn't even lift my kayak in the back of my truck. And, um, so that lesson learned from that day was you know just be careful and, and definitely totally check the weather and double check the weather to know for sure what's going to happen because you know that was probably the, the first time I ever didn't think I was going to make it back to the truck <laughs> I was like well hopefully somebody can come downstream and get me because I wasn't sure how I was going to get back but for sure yeah the the very first time I took my kayak out it was like the I was the poster child of what not to do um, but I didn't know any better. I had a 10 foot sun dolphin journey, um, which, uh, to tell you what kind of, like, what kind of boat this was, whenever I, uh, um, whenever I put my flush mount uh, rod holder in, um, I cut the hole with a pocket knife. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, the, uh, the river, uh, so the Noose River is the the river that I've I've lived near for the past fifteen twenty years or so, and it uh, it's not a slow river ever, um, and um, it was at flood stage um, this this particular day, and I decided I was going to go out on the river um, in my new kayak. Um, I had the uh, I had my PFD because North Carolina law was, or I guess it still is, um, it has to be on your boat. It doesn't have to necessarily be on your person. So it was strapped to the front of my boat where I would never be able to reach it in a hundred years. Um, and I didn't have my, my phone like close by. It was, it was in the hatch, um, in a, in a dry box. So I get out there and, um, right away, it's like paddling on a treadmill. Um, I paddle with everything I've got, and like the tree beside me doesn't move. Um, <laughs> and of course, I, I've got this really cheap Walmart paddle that flutters every time I put it in the water. Um, and um, I just kind of am, am going, and I'm like, well, either either I'm going to turn around and God's going to uh, point me in the direction I need to go. Um, or I'm going to do my best to, to try to drop anchor and try to flag down a boat, or I guess I'm going to have someone come and get me 
in a in a different spot so i i I stop paddling the river turns me around real quick and i do find an find an eddy where i can at least get turned back around and get close enough to shore where um the um where the current's not quite as bad and was able to get back to my car um but uh talk about some lessons learned that day uh but yeah um whenever i whenever i look back i'm just like man um if if there's a rule i didn't break that day i don't know it <laughs> <laughs> no i that and that's actually exactly how i felt that day too and uh things you know like i didn't even think of like when i look at the wind and see oh it says 10 miles per hour well that doesn't sound horrible until you're out there and realize what 10 miles per hour does yeah. to water and current and you know uh definitely things that uh new people need to hear prior to going out and i i try to help people when they uh I, there's times where you know the susquehanna will be on flood stage and people are like hey, i think i'm thinking about going out on the river and i uh this weekend i'm like just check the water level first and I, I you know give them all the tools i show them you know the app that i use to check the water level and stuff i'm like because it can be downright dangerous easily you know you can easily get into big trouble um yeah, if you go out sure. in the water when when it's that crazy um and not just the water level but the uh the flow rate that right um i mean on a normal day on the noose river i mean it's you're going to be going pretty fast all you got to do is steer um but um on the day that i went there's no way anybody was going to do any fishing if they were floating it because i mean you would get like you would you would cast and by the time you started retrieving your lure would be way behind you <laughs> right right well not to, and, and and what are you going to do if you snag you know yeah you know, hopefully you're, you're quick enough to cut the line but you know all sorts of bad things can happen yeah it's just crazy yeah that that was another thing like um again i wasn't wearing um wasn't wearing a pfd um didn't have any of like any safety um safety tools or anything near me um now i'm you know i'm always have my pfd on i've got a knife on my pfd um i've got my phone in my pfd i'm i'm like um always uh so many things that i i learned from that one day but um but yeah um but yeah back to uh what's your favorite uh what's your favorite lure to throw uh wacky rig senko um it's what i've my first confidence bait um now oddly enough i don't have confidence on that in the river um in the river my confidence bait is a rooster tail because darn near everything bikes it i've caught absolutely everything on a rooster tail i'm a huge catfish like they have no business <laughs> eating a rooster tail and they murder the poor thing like it, it <laughs> once a catfish hits that thing it's bent a heck and it's never going to spin right again but uh yeah um, yeah so on the river it's a rooster tail on the lakes it's a wacky rigs and go yeah my very first confidence bait was a panther martin so i'm with you on the rooster tail <laughs> um and whenever you're throwing your your wacky rig do you uh hook through the body of the worm or do you use an o-ring 
Uh, usually, I use Yumdingers because they're cheap, but they I feel like they're just as effective to me as uh, as a uh, Yamamoto Senko. And um, I usually go right through the worm. I get like the thirty pack of dicks, uh, right, <laughs> or whatever it is, because I I do go through them, but. Um, and I have the O-ring and the O-ring tool, but I, I, I just don't use them. And another thing that I usually do that um, I don't know that everybody does is I use weighted wacky hooks, like a, a, either a 16-bounce or a 132nd-bounce, um, just because I feel like I, I have a little bit more feel for what the worm is doing. I can feel it on the end of my line when it, versus when it's weightless. Absolutely. Have you ever tried uh, using the uh, the weighted uh, wacky hook to uh, to wacky hook something like a trick worm or a floating worm? I, I did a few times. Um, my my uncle swore up and down about this Berkeley. Uh, it almost looked like an earthworm, and he said, "Oh, wacky rig this." And I'm like, oh, "It's so skinny. It doesn't <laughs> even work." And and sure enough, when I went out, um, I had thrown a you know a, a fatter yumdinger for like a whole day and didn't get any bites and then i was you know i'm like well i gotta catch something soon i want to get skunked and then i found that pack of the berkeley earthworm looking things in my my uh pack and i hooked it right in the middle like a regular wacky rig but it didn't look right but man i caught two on the way back to the ramp and i'm like oh it saved me from getting skunked so made me a believer i hear you yeah and the uh um the o-rings i uh i tried them once but i didn't realize that they had different sizes um and the uh, the o-ring i had was so small that whenever i uh i put it on the the worm it it uh i used the the tool whenever i put it on the worm it actually like cut the worm in half <laughs> That, so, that's a definitely a lesson learned too but yeah, so I've, been, I, I've been meaning i've been trying to try uh the Nico rig a little bit more. Dan, Dan Perry, who you talked to, uh, was talking to me about that and, and how much luck he's had with it. And I haven't had as much luck with it, but I haven't thrown it a ton. Uh, just That's kind of been one of the baits this year that I'm trying to get more comfortable with. So Absolutely. And uh, last but not least, man, what's your favorite time of year to fish? Hmm, that's a good one, too. Um probably spawn i'd say um and that's different on lakes and than the river but um we're kind of coming out of spawn on the lakes here but i think the river is just kind of getting to that uh, time of year uh and um especially now with you know the cicadas coming and and mayfly season coming uh the river should just start to be get on fire right now so for sure Awesome. Well, we're going to start wrapping things up, man. Uh, what do you have? Uh, what do you have lined up for you? What's coming down the pipe? Um, uh, I have a couple of kayak anglers, the Central PA tournaments that are coming up, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, still on the fence uh, about the uh, the Hobie is coming back to Harrisburg, which is about half an hour north of me. Um, last year, all the big name people were there, uh, and I'm like, it was so close. I should have just went and fished it up. You know, it's a little bit of a heftier price to get into, but uh, um, I did look at it uh, potentially thinking about it this year, but I'm on call again that weekend, so that would be a pretty tough uh, thing to do to spend that much money, get out on the water, and then get a call where I have to go into work. Right. So so I, uh, I'm still kind of on the fence about that, um, but I'm thinking about that, uh, contemplating that. I'm not sure yet. 
Um, then I have my, my camp week coming up, second week of July, so I'm looking forward to that. And, um, yeah, that's kind of what's in my immediate future. So, Absolutely. And uh, if you're allowed to share any of it, what's what's coming up for Bass Session for Noobs? Um, that's a good question. Uh, we, we're, we're still always looking for guests. Um, I have uh, one uh, particular kind of well-known YouTuber that I've been talking back and forth and just haven't gotten a time lined up yet uh, to have him on. Um, uh, informative Fisherman, do you, have you ever heard of him? Um, I have heard of him, yeah. Um, I, I've been shooting around with him, trying to get him lined up, so I'm hoping to get him on. And um, Ryan has a bunch of local guys by him that we've been kind of shooting back and forth with, too. So um, I think that's kind of what's in our immediate future as far as uh, the new show goes. Awesome. Um, we just came off the Drew Gregory episode, so that was kind of like a big one for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I had been looking forward to talking to him for a long time. So, yeah, I'm thinking Chad Hoover on. Yeah, I haven't talked to him, so I know he's been on Paddle and Finn before, but I never on the Noob Show. So maybe I'll reach out to him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I want to give you an open floor t- for any sponsors or uh, supporters you want to give a shout out to, say thank you to um, any anything like that. I'm <laughs> I'm still totally a noob as far as sponsors go I don't really have any sponsors yet um, you know I definitely don't want to you know jump I haven't gone out looking for anything um, but uh, you know I have a ton of products I love to use I, I, I kind of you know I, I'm not sponsored by any of them but uh, I love St. Croix Rods I've been using them uh, you know slowly as I you know replace more and more of my rods that's what I've been using and, and I really have gotten to like them um I love, you know, Rooster Tails, Z-Man products, those kind of things, you know, uh, they just keep me going. Uh, Yum Dingers are amazing. Uh, again, I'm not sponsored by any of those people, but um, they're all products I believe in and use a lot of. So um, I'd like to thank the, the guys at Powell and Finn for giving me a shot and, and letting me uh, have all the fun that I've had with them. So, And, of course, my, my wife and my family for being super supportive of me and all my crazy adventures that I, I tend to go on. So awesome! And what about uh, what about social media? Um, how do how do people find you if they want to uh, contact you or follow you or listen to Bass Fishing for Noobs? Yeah, so um, you can find um, Pal and Finn and Bass Fishing for Noobs on um, any place, any podcast, like all the big podcast uh, places. Um, it's on YouTube. Uh, there's a Facebook page, Instagram. Um, I'm on um, Facebook mostly. Um, you can just search for uh, my name, Sean Lavery. Um, nothing crazy there. Um, I'm, I, I'm on Instagram too, but I'll be totally honest, I don't check it a ton. Um, uh, I'm still learning that, that side of the game. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, uh, Sean, thank you so much for your time and for coming on the show. I really enjoyed it, man. Yeah, thanks, Cam. Man, it was awesome. I, I I love getting to talk fishing and getting to mix faith in there too. Uh, two of the things that I can talk about forever. So, save your outdoors means peace of mind out on the water. Savior makes retrieval devices for fishing rods, bow fishing bows, action cams, and more. So when you drop your gear in the water, you can get it back, meaning that you don't have to panic when your gear goes in the drink. 
check out SaviorOutdoors.com. That's S-A-V-U-R Outdoors.com to learn more and to try them for yourselves. And since you're a Faith and Fishing listener, you'll get 15% off of your purchase whenever you use promo code FNFP15. Another huge thank you to Sean for coming on the show and sharing his story with us. Um, I'll leave Sean's links in the show notes as well um, as the links to all things Faith and Fishing, Jay's Jigs, Saviors Outdoors, and the links to the Daiwa Tatula series, um, and also the links to Paddle and Finn. um, And um, be sure to go check them out for the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment and um, all of the other segments. Um, We've had several of their hosts and... uh, on the show and even one that wasn't a, a host at the time but is now mr drew gregory um and he is going to be joining the uh the reel down dan perry is going to be starting a new podcast and um drew's uh drew's podcast which was hooked on wild waters is going to be river bassin and they are going to be um on paddle and fin so there is a lot of awesome things happening over at paddle and fin so go check them out all right um so that is going to do it for this episode um get out there catch some fish take a kid fishing if you get it get the chance thanks again for listening y'all take care and god bless thank y'all for listening to the faith and fishing podcast be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoy the show and follow the show on Instagram at Faith and Fishing Pod or at Facebook.com slash Faith and Fishing. Be sure to reach out to one of the amazing pastors in your community if you have questions about faith. And make sure you join the Faith and Fishing community on Facebook. Special thanks goes to Tyler Worrell, the graphic designer behind the Faith and Fishing logo. The Faith and Fishing podcast is produced by Cam Steele. And the music for the show is written, recorded, and performed by Jonathan Influenzi and Cam Steele. Thanks again for listening. Y'all take care and God bless.